Good morning. What a blessed, slightly cooler morning we've had this morning. Uh, so bright outside. Um, why don't we open with a word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we just come to you and thank you, Lord, for the blessings that you've given us, for the instruction that you've given us as well, that we might walk in your path um, more thoroughly, that we might be renewed day by day, sanctified through the process of you working through us, uh, through your word and through your sovereign hand. Lord, I pray that you would uh, make us better uh, likenesses of you through our study and through our humility of heart before you. Pray, Lord, that you'd be with our time, that even this first hour, that it might honor and glorify you. In your name I pray, amen. <clears throat> well, uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, we started a, a series on godly headship and some of the pathologies that sin racks or reeks through the home. Um, and uh, we started to look at a couple through a counseling session. Today we're not going to look at another video, but more have a discussion um, over your thoughts and the notes that you've had. Um, we've been looking at a, a couple, a fictitious couple. Uh, they do a pretty good job of acting, actually both of them. Um, and uh, But what they present within the home is uh, serious concerns uh, that are starting to arise. And so this couple had attended a church for a long time. As a matter of fact, the husband had gone through a minor in Bible uh, through his uh, college education. And there's a lot of stress in this particular home. We've heard from Travis and his wife, Katie. And uh, last time we met, we um, work through the video of the initial interview uh, between Katie and a counselor. So there's uh, two counselors here. <clears throat> One is a female counselor that's working with uh, Katie and a um, male counselor working with Travis. Um, <clears throat> the idea of biblical counseling is to move uh, people to more Christ-likeness, uh, to glorify God, uh, to not have um, idols of the heart, but to seek and search and to um, become more like Christ, uh, for us to align with him, to glory in him, uh, but not to have, um, but not to reflect dysfunction um, from that end goal. And so I just want to have a conversation. I thought maybe I'd read a couple of passages of scripture that have been brought out uh, through this. Um, and one is uh, from Proverbs 18. Um, the first to plead his case seems right until another comes and examines him. And so to uh, run in deeper waters is to get all the facts uh, of circumstances. Uh, but to also, um, to also lean on the sovereignty of God to seek wisdom. And there is a sovereign command actually in verse 18 um, of that same chapter. Uh, the, the, cast, the cast lot puts an end to strife, meaning God's will puts an end to strife and decides between the mighty ones. 
So when we look at wisdom literature and Proverbs and other places, it's good to connect all the dots as well. Um, so how does one make decisions uh, when facts are, are different? Um, oftentimes there's a he said, she said type of approach to strife, uh, long-term strife. Also it just strikes me just in the nature of the home is a little bit like the nature of the heart. Um, so you enter a home through a, a door and in the home is different rooms and in those rooms um, are different layers of intimate privacy uh, that go into our abode. Um, so it is with the heart as well. Um, the heart is a, a place where we have a, a front-facing uh, disposition, uh, but as we get into the deeper layers of the person, the deeper layer of the heart, there's a different layer of intimacy that's there, a different layer of motivation, a different layer of, um, of privacy as well. And in those two layers, there can be deep pathology spiritually that really reflect the nature of the person. And um, also just bring into question um, our salvation as a whole. Um, so as we look at ourselves as a person before the Lord, um, and uh, David, when David said, before you, O God, have I sinned, um, in Psalm 51, he's really saying, I'm front-facing in my inner man to a holy God. Um, and that's a significant place to stand. Um, and so as we as husbands and wives stand before a holy God and we front-face him, uh, this is where we give an account. Uh, we can't hide in a bedroom. Uh, we can't hide from his omnipresence. Um, he is ever before us. And so I just want to keep that in mind as we move forward. But uh, we want to just ask some questions, get some feedback. Eric's going to come up as well. He took some copious notes. Um, I took some notes. Um, we gave you some papers to take some notes on. So we're going to practice um, reading our notes. And mine aren't the prettiest notes. Uh, but we're going to go back through this and just say, what did you all see? as you reviewed this and, um, and um, what were some concerns or some thoughts you had regarding the videos themselves. So maybe let's start out talking about Travis from that was what, yep. three weeks ago? Sure. I don't know if you guys remember that far back. What were some of your observations of Travis and just what he was saying, how he was answering his questions? Providing answers, what do you guys have jotted down? We're very patient. <laughs> Awkward silence. Mm. Go for it. Yeah, good point, Jenny. He was minimizing much of his sin. Uh, doing the classic judging others by their motives, and uh, or judging me by my motives, but you by your behavior. My intentions, my motives are good, but your behavior is bad, and and... I'm, I'm the good guy and my sin isn't that big of a deal and it's really her problem and she needs to step up. Different phrases that he was using. How else was he minimizing his sin? Excuses. Yeah. Jeremiah, misremembered. Yes, we shade the truth and when we know that there's much to be exposed, we are going to shade the truth and that was obviously being done. Yeah. Other observations? 
Seems like he was steering towards the ruts. Uh, yeah, Daniel just mentioned he felt that through both interviews was uh, similar to that. Um, so it could be also that those ruts have purposes. So stress goes up. Um, stress for him uh, means that he's more irritable. Uh, there was an irritability cycle for him. And um, as those ruts go up, there is a, a measure of the heart that is produced through the expression of how that comes out uh, towards his wife. There may be more behind that uh, from the purpose, from his own purposes. Um, so things are getting a little out of control and I'm going to create a rut in order to get them back in play, um, so to speak, is from his perspective. I think the ruts that were really being discussed and that he was trying to identify really just the fleshly response and the natural response that we sometimes fall into when we respond to sin as opposed to walking by the Spirit, the ruts of my default position. You know, without even steering, I can let go of the wheel and the car kind of falls into the ruts and we go that direction. I think uh, in much of our walk daily, whether it be with our coworkers, Daniel, or with our family, we have to be careful in how we respond. Is it in the flesh or is it in the spirit towards those around us? Are we walking by the spirit or are we walking by the flesh? And I think those were some of the ruts, the old patterns. I don't know how else he was describing that, but uh, what would you jot down? He used um, ruts. I think um, even the incident that was bringing them to counseling was the taking away from of the phone. Um, so there's something about that particular event, um, that work event that he was at, that was particularly troubling to him um, from a stress perspective. Um, and then um, leaving the event, but um, the rut that I saw in that particular component was that he um, didn't treat anybody at the event um, poorly, but when he got into the car, um, the person who had nothing to do with the event becomes the, um, becomes the person in which, um, he is irritable with, um, impatient with and demanding. Um, and so, um, that's a, that's a rut as was described. Um, in a manner of, um, you know, how, how did you get there? Um, how did that come to play? Uh, from someone who was um, potentially even trying to encourage you. Um, so how do you get to the point of, of that particular perspective? So those are the ruts that have brought them to counseling, actually. There's these, um, as was described, and you didn't see all the video, but there is a, uh, a first, there's a pat meeting with their pastor, which has been ongoing. And um, through that meeting with the pastor, um, there's some circumstances that were kind of red flags. Is this just marital counseling or is this something deeper? Um, is this just um, trying to help people get along better or is there deeper issues of the heart? And so um, I think one of the evidences of that was just his treatment of others in the community is different from his treatment 
um, and intention with his spouse. Um, it's a it's a red flag. So to what Dylan was saying when he opened <clears throat> up, just talking about the intimacy of behaviors within our home. Some of you some of you may have heard me say before, you are who you are in your own four walls. Uh, husbands, as we're talking about biblical headship through this uh, three-week series, uh, how are you treating your wife, how are you treating your kids, uh, is found in the home. And you can put on a good front uh, when you come to church or out in public. You can withhold and exercise some self-control to a certain degree. But you truly are who you are in your home. And... Uh, the, the idea of shading the truth here, uh, he was very much shading who he really was in the home. Yeah, Linda makes a good point. He might be uh, good to behave well at church or at work, but in the, inside the home, not so much. Um, the different levels of self-control inside versus outside the home. That brings forth a, a good point. Um, it appears that he treats others better, uh, but there's a purpose behind his treatment. We all treat people in our workplace in a certain way, and that treatment may be um, in a socially acceptable manner that also is reflective of the heart behind it. So there could be some deeper issues yet still where um, other relationships, um, the methodologies look different, but could possibly be the same. Um, and the tendency of car salespeople um, salespeople is to make profit, right? I mean, that's what you're trying to do. So that's going to take, you got to get product moving out the door in order to make, to make a living. So um, there's a tendency of, a difficult tendency in car sales, I think in, in particular, uh, because of the nature of a car. Sonia, yeah, very self-focused. Yeah, that's um, a good point to make. That's came out, I think, fairly clearly as well, is that, um, you know, the counseling session was him answering questions, I guess, in some fairness, I, you know, there's that initial counseling session, but you're, you're exactly right. His, um, you know, things weren't getting done around the house. She has her role. It serves me, right? So I'm being served by this. She has her responsibilities and these responsibilities aren't being met. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so needs to rise up to my standards and again self-focused I'm I am the standard I'll set it forth and this must be met and yeah, very self-focused yeah, it's interesting when they opened up the video counselors first asking how long has this been going on and very reluctant I'll leave these acting but very reluctant to say uh, maybe two two maybe three years and then it quickly went to five to six years and then you hear her side of the story and it's been going on since they were married um, and they've been married oh, 10 years or however long they've been married at this point. And so, yeah, very, very dismissive, very shading of the truth, uh, different words. It was interesting, you mentioned peace. She said the same thing uh, towards the end of both of their interviews. They both said, I haven't had peace for so long. And he mentioned he's always in turmoil at work and, and chaos. And that was one of the points that Dylan had in his uh, contrasting Christ's headship bringing forth peace, John 14, 27, versus our flesh that brings forth chaos. And he might, uh, it, interesting, you mentioned he was, I'm always in turmoil. There's always turmoil at work. I'm being put upon, as opposed to maybe I'm actually creating that chaos. Uh, uh, maybe not 
well, there's no maybe, unwilling to recognize his contribution to that chaos, to that turmoil, lack of peace. When I uh, first began um, in my career, I've uh, been there for a long time, uh, there's a management style. And um, about once or twice a year, um, something would happen that frustrated a specific supervisor or boss. Um, and um, there would be an abrupt pulling that person into an office that was very public. Um, and a door would close harshly. Um, and the anger was apparent uh, within the office setting. Uh, so much of anger is a tool, a tool of manipulation um, in order to intimidate. And so to the point of what is the intensity of that anger uh, from frustration to display and um, the raising of the voice, um, is that a necessary element to be heard? Um, or is it a methodology uh, to create an atmosphere? Um, and so just the inner workings of the heart and the usage of um, these types of tools. Um, and so anger is one of those tools within the home that is a powerful controller um, in that um, that was frustrating to me. Now I'm going to I'm going to say I was patient for a long time. I'm done being patient. And so anger escalates. And so just like it does um, at times in the workplace, um, it was a powerful tool for the rest of us who were sitting there, a 24, 25 year old new employee to say, um, I better toe the line here. Um, the job I had before that uh, was at UPS and um, I was walking between two trucks with my new supervisor, had never met him before, hadn't even had a conversation with him. I got between two trucks and he grabbed me by the shirt collar and put me up against a truck. And he said, on my shift, I'm gonna work your blankety blank blank off. Um, and that was his tone, that was the tone of that employment at that time. And so, <clears throat> what was he doing? He was using anger and manipulation to produce results. And those results were in keeping with his intentions. And so, sometimes these anger, anger and impatience um, are uh, quite purposeful in what is trying to be expressed. And so, just a real caution there, Steve, I appreciate those notes, anger, raising of voice uh, to um, a very frustrated pitch um, in order to convey something, does it really convey much? Uh, is it really conveying really the, the, the condition of the heart of the person as opposed to the peace that is and should be as part of our intimate relationships, our home life, as well as our work engagements or other engagements that exist. So sorry to belabor with a couple of stories there, but just in my own work experience. Um, so now as a, a leader at work, do I lead that way? Um, am I that person now that leads in that manner? 
And so, or do I reflect the fruit of the Spirit within me um, as um, I reflect God's glory in my workplace as well as in my home? So, just some thoughts. Other thoughts on Travis? Yeah, there's... His dad wants to sell the business. That may be the best thing for him. Right. You know, so look at a different occupation, but Travis wants to hold it. Um, so there um, might be some discord there as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, Imbalance in handling work and family. Family is not just a bobble of a bracelet or a necklace you know, to be worn around to say, oh, just, just to highlight me and accessorize me. Uh, you are a husband, you are a father. Uh, you are to be a servant in the home, not using your family as a means to an end or just a nice thing to have. Or It's expected of a successful man to have a wife and family, wife and kids. Uh, well, that's, it's not just something you add on to your life. Uh, uh, general rule is the Lord's called you to be a husband, called you to be a uh, father, uh, wives, to be a mother, to be a wife, parenting the kids, loving your spouse. One thing I noted I want you to think about uh, in uh, the information that Dylan put out, the fellowship and open communion, and then the contrast with that was isolation and distrust. Uh, I noted in his interview, uh, he just wants to be left alone after work. And when I show up at home, everyone goes the opposite direction. There's no unity. We're not really coming together when, when I come home. Um, and there's an isolation. Now, there, you know, you could talk about different personality differences. Some people just want to be left alone. Maybe they're a little more just quite content being alone up in their tree house, uh, contemplating the universe or reading a book, just being quiet on their own. And that's okay. There's different personalities. But at the end of the day, when you're coming back together as a family, in the evening, uh, there ought not to be that isolation. There ought to be those conversations. Um, and dad, this is your responsibility to not accept the word fine or good. Tell me about your day at school. Tell me more about your day. What did you learn today? Uh, did you, you know, how'd this go? How'd that go? Knowing what was going on in the family, instead of being so self-absorbed, uh, you can ask some questions and really drill down to those uh, quintessential teenagers that don't want to open up and talk, you know, just fine and walk off uh, onto their bedroom. Uh, but really, uh, yes, to be present, to be involved, you know, the joke about that line in the movie with uh, Peter Rabbit, uh, being present and involved in, with your family, yes, there is something to that. That is part of your responsibilities. There are times to go your own way. I, I, every time our family, we come home from a road trip, it is like... <sighs> The cockroaches scatter. You know, the kids go to their own room. They're kind of futzing around in their own place or at the Lego table or whatever they're looking at or doing. And we kind of all go, we've been stuck in the car for the last 15 hours across a couple of days, and it's just time to get apart. There's a time for that. Uh, after the workday, I spend 20 minutes on the phone with Heather. If uh, I'm not riding the motorcycle, get on the phone and talk on the way home to kind of decompress. Yeah. Just. Yeah. Kind of talk through the day, and then when you're home, it's it's a great time to just all right. Let's what's next? Let's go. But the further I had to drive to work, the probably the better I was. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you decompress. Yeah, maybe the longer commute is a blessing. Yeah. <laughs>
And at the same time, uh, there's, um, there are times, Linda, when I felt the same way, um, tough day at work, um, musing through those day's events. Um, but at the same time, um, there may be some demands on me that are untimely. Um, I remember about some maybe 11, 11.30 midnight conversations with kids. Uh, I'm, I'm so done um, having conversations. Uh, but that was the time allotted for that conversation. And so um, as difficult as it may be, I got to wake up um, and have that conversation similar to probably what I did in college when I gutted it out till two o'clock in the morning and did something I didn't want to do, uh, but I accomplished it and got it done. And so, or a task at work. Um, so what's the disposition? Um, just going back, and I love Galatians 5, I just love what Paul does here, uh, where he says, but I say walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you do not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you. Just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Um, and just trying to counter the world. So the world sets its, its sights on you, and there are things that impinge upon us to irritate us and to get us going. And, but we're to walk by the Spirit. And so um, just going back to my time at UPS, which wasn't very long, uh, but it was at that time that I memorized Colossians 3, um, and as a young man sitting in my car before I went to work, um, I was reading Colossians 3. Slaves, obey your masters. Um, and do it, what, how? Heartily unto the Lord. And so um, that was a great time for me of great growth, um, actually, despite um, a very oppressive work environment. Um, one that I wasn't particularly good at, of course, my friends who got to work there uh, got the easy jobs, and I got the hardest one. Um, but it gave me opportunity to set a course. And so how, how do I respond to these difficult circumstances? Um, and scripture is such a great place to rest um, and to be comforted by and to be encouraged with. And so just going to move us along, Eric, to Katie's interview, um, things that struck you about her interview. So there's a raised voice, and then there's the content of that voice. Um, that's a good observation. Of course, his side of the coin was uh, 
I was being nice, asking her to be quiet. And her side of the coin was grab my arm, through the phone, threaten to throw it out the window, threw it in the back seat. Quite a bit more than just even raising a voice. Or even, as he said, I tried to be nice. Uh, Got to be careful. Get both sides of that coin. Somewhere in the middle is probably the truth. Sherry. Well, I, I thought it was interesting in that her initial conversation, both of them were similar. Um, uh, he didn't get, get to the deep water of um, himself very quickly. But, um, but she didn't want to go there right away either. But much more quickly opened up at the end of the day. But even at the beginning of the conversation, she was protective of information um, regarding those behaviors. But you, you raise a good question regarding, um, and this is really an extreme set of one anothering, right? You know, this is a, um, um, how do you walk uh, with somebody if she were to come uh, to the church and have um, uh, express herself? How do you get to that, to that next level um, and these peaks and valleys can become also dangerous. Um, and so there's a danger point um, in peaks and valleys, in these ruts. And um, so we know uh, from Genesis 3.16 um, that the purposes of both parties in an intimate relationship are marred by sin and by the sin, the, the curse of the fall. And so, um, but there's also an element of protection uh, that we're getting closer to here. But the female counselor um, had intimated in one of the sidebar components that she had worked with two women who were shot uh, by their spouses. And so uh, these peaks and valleys can become dangerous. And that's why the title of this is uh, Domestic Abuse you know, it's all sin is what it is, but it's it can be very dangerous physical sin as well. Sonia? Yeah, they're both being deceptive in their own ways, you know, mm -hmm. and maybe the motives are a little different. She's trying not to, you know, make him look bad uh, to whomever she's speaking to, and, you know, of course, he is hiding his own behavior too. She's probably minimizing her behavior to a certain degree as well. She did kind of nod to, yeah, I've contributed, and and we all do. There are both sides to the coin. You know, both Heather and I contribute when we are at odds. It's a both and. Mm -hmm. uh, and so there is sin abundant <laughs> to go around for sure. But we, we each one are going to minimize and or and, and maybe for the wrong reasons, uh, maybe for the right reasons, but still doing the wrong thing. And many times those boundaries in the chaos and in the anger as Dylan was mentioning, the boundaries change on a whim. Um, you know, some days the boundary can be this, and other days the standard is very low, and it's so easy to overstep those bounds. And Steve, you were going to say something, and then Caitlin. I, I think um, the minimization from the two of them are for two different, potentially two different causes. He's minimizing to deflect guilt. Uh, he knows he's guilty. Um, he's minimizing to cover the information. She's minimizing uh, to reduce risk, um, likely because <clears throat> she's taking an incredible risk <clears throat> knowing that through the previous marital counseling 
engagement that they've had with their pastor, that these things have all been minimized and that now more information is coming out. And if, if um, there's a dominance relationship here as opposed to a loving relationship, the person dominated um, is the one who is taking a lot of risk in bringing these things out. I mean, she didn't do anything in that car to merit from either of their standpoints uh, to merit the behavior of her husband. Um, and yet, at the same time, um, she had to walk on eggshells in that, in that scenario because things were escalating. And if she had pushed the buttons any further, things may have escalated even more. And so I'm sure she said she was a little, um, uh, she did say that she had um, at, at one point made a comment that got him a little bit more frustrated. But um, now exposing this, um, if, if there's dominance, is, if that's the role of the headship here, um, she's taking an incredible risk through honesty. So she's more communicative. I think this is the importance of actually um, Titus brings forth the older women are to teach the younger women how to love their husbands. Uh, but this is also a relationship where um, a woman uh, walking alongside a woman um, can create um, a level of dialogue to help with um, the management of that risk. But this is a relationship that as it goes forward <clears throat> might be one where in order for them to deal with their heart issues, they may not be able to deal with them together and uh, to some degree may even need to um, not be together uh, for a period of time because of that risk. So when the risk gets to a certain point, um, not that we're advocating for divorce and separation and those things on a general basis, but, um, but these relationships can get uh, very dangerous, um, especially as things start to come out. So, other thoughts? Caitlin. That was interesting. They both mentioned that lack of peace. Who is the, <clears throat> you know, sometimes we think that our marriages are in a silo, uh, that they're um, not that out front. But who's the audience of all this um, in this home? More yeah. than the kids, though. It's even Christ, right? It can spill out. And it will. I mean, it, it, it does. And so... I just mentioned the kids as far as they all scatter when I come home. Yeah, the control and the manipulation, <clears throat> that is a huge red flag when, uh, when someone in the relationship is limiting your contact with your friends or your family or, uh, you know, others. Those who seek to control are going to minimize the variables by manipulating out those other outside influences so that I can be the one in control, if you will, and think that I can have a little more control over that person, if you will. So, uh, yeah, that's very much of a red flag to be isolated. It was interesting that she brought that out, to be isolated from her parents. And, and there's a healthy balance even there. Again, not to minimize, but just you know, we, to have the conversation. There's a healthy balance of parental involvement with your young married kids. Uh, but there's also uh, the value of just letting them work things out. But uh, you do need, as Dylan mentioned, 
Uh, maybe it isn't your parents. Maybe your wife or maybe your husband would be more comfortable with you going to another uh, lady or another uh, man in the church that you can be one another by. Maybe it's not your parents. Maybe they also say the same things, but it'll come from the right source because they, the spouse might see the in-laws as a threat. And uh, so there's different ways to go about that. That's a good question. Um, so, and that's question for um, all people who walk with somebody else, um, right? How you guard information is a relevant component to how you love the people. I think um, the elements for the counselor are what are the counselor's goals. Uh, to Counselor's goals are to glorify God, uh, to restore, uh, to love um, both parties, um, and to um, renew them to a right relationship before the Lord. Uh, so to point out the things that are um, pathological. Um, and in that Galatians 5 passage, it talks about idolatries. Uh, what are the idolatries of the heart? I think these things are uh, very instructive for us as individuals to just weigh out. What are the things that are more important to me than my relationship with Christ? Um, those are my idols. And um, the idols might be um, control or management. It might be uh, my work. It might be um, even um, how my home looks as opposed to loving through um, right layered headship. And so what are my idols and what are the things that I'm actually worshiping um, are instructive. So for Travis uh, to come to that conclusion in this example, um, that he is not glorifying God through his behavior, that he is actually glorifying himself, self-focused as was mentioned. Um, he's not loving his wife as Christ loved the church. Um, and there are all sorts of uh, pathologies that are there. So now how does, um, how does the, the goal of the counseling is to bring all that to rightness? And I think that is the glory of actually using Psalm 37, 37, is to be a man of peace, to be a redeemed person, to bring peace, uh, so to come home and to bring peace to also a very difficult day for others. Um, it says in Colossians 3.19, husbands love your wives and do not be embittered against them. And so there's a bitterness here uh, because of a theological problem and maybe a salvific problem within the husband. Um, so, and this um, relationship, I think from her interview, really started right from the get-go. Um, this, uh, there were red flags very early in the marriage. I think she had mentioned the incident where she had not done the laundry. Um, and uh, he came home very late, knowing he had somewhere to go the next day. There were other options in the closet uh, for him. Um, she was spent from her work day, and he dumps the laundry out on her while she slept. I mean, the phone thing is um, obviously a red flag. But that was, a, um, that was a very, very offensive and aggressive method. That's not leadership. Uh, that's, um, that is uh, deeply rooted sin yeah. is what that is. And so um, to 
have this gift of partnership in life uh, that is to reflect uh, Christ's love for the church and to have an outburst like that has nothing to do uh, with godly behavior and, and to even come up with a justification for that. Now there's also elements in this that are related to his regret of his behavior, apology, but the ruts continue. Um, so there's a clear misunderstanding also that he is not internalizing and, and understanding his offense to his Lord. Uh, so, Sherry? Yeah. There's remorse for not getting what he wanted, but it was always followed by excuses. There was no repentance. Yeah. Jeremiah? Yeah. yeah, blame shift. Very much so. Yeah. Also, if I may, Daniel, just to address your question on gossip, we, we are all going to come into possession of knowledge about others at different times uh, in life. And discretion uh, is a great word to use. Uh, is it your news to share? And, uh, in a counseling situation, um, in order to drill down to the root causes of issues, what is the sin? What is, as Dylan used the word pathology, what is your sin? What is uh, the root of this issue? You have to discuss the issues at hand. But is the counselor and uh, spouse going to use that information with discretion to keep it to a minimum and always, you know, trying to resolve it with the fewest number of individuals involved at any given time. Uh, gossip is taking knowledge and going, well, I'm in possession of it, so it's my news to share as opposed to showing discretion and keeping it quiet. And so it's not gossip to say, I need help. Uh, here's my contribution to the sin. Here's what's going on in my family and in my home, um, how could you instruct me? Where's my fault? Where am I blind? Even as uh, uh, John taught uh, just last week, go to your spouse and ask, what, am I, what sin am I blind to? There needs to be those discussions, but are you taking that information and going public? Are you, boy, did you hear about that? Or did you see this? Or, boy, you should see my coworker. Boy, you should see what my neighbor did. Or, you know, putting other people down. That's, that's gossiping when you're sharing news that really is of no value. Um, gossiping many times is what was said, just uh, putting down others, making yourself look good. Uh, gossip is much of that, sharing the bad and the worst of others. And... Uh, making yourself look good and uh, a victim sometimes. Uh, so in counseling, it, gossip versus coming upon information. Uh, it's how it's handled. You're always going to come upon information, but how are you going to handle it? That's when you cross the line between discernment, discretion, uh, and gossip. I, I think the heart of the one anothering ministries that we do is the motive to start with, um, right? Because um, gossip is to harm. Um, and obtaining um, information that can be helpful is to love. And so there's a, a heart motive uh, in all of us that we have to weigh out. Just that um, now am I, you know, am I just wanting information? Um, is, um, is that what a person gets their self-fulfillment from or is it actually uh, to bring people to the point of a ministry 
um, growth, a, a process of sanctification that increases another's holiness. So, um, so when we get to this, I think even in marital counseling, when you separate people, there could be a concern also that uh, the information shared by a spouse is gossipy to the counselor. Um, so um, you can layer this um, to the point of saying, well, you can't share anything because that would be gossip. And so, um, but the motive of, um, in her case, sharing information, she is hopeless. I mean, she doesn't know where to turn. Um, and um, at this point, the, the counselor is drawing out information that really is for her husband's benefit as well as for her own. And so I think that um, sometimes we can take uh, something that is sinful, the, the gossip in general, and use it as a tool um, as it's not intended to. Um, so um, there would be no one anothering if there was no knowledge about anyone. You can't do it. Um, so you can't walk alongside somebody. Uh, you can't be married to somebody without having a deeper knowledge of intimacy within those relationships. Truth is important. And you know, Jesus came to testify to the truth. Um, he was truth. And so um, we want to live sometimes in dishonesty, minimization, deflection, all these things that are coercive in nature. And then we want to say when somebody addresses us, well, um, you know, that you're, you're talking poorly about me. Um, and in reality, uh, maybe there is some place that someone needs to go. And I think you made a good point. What happens if it's learned that he and his anger and rage had um, just the week before grabbed her around the neck um, and created a, a very destructive environment? Well, there's no reason that we should hide that information from somebody who could intervene. Um, so that's not gossip um, from a biblical definition standpoint. Now, that is acting uh, with wisdom. Um, so that's a, a component I think that sometimes is misused, um, as well as the confidentiality, which is important to trust. That's That goes along with it. Um, so we're right at the hour. Yeah. I'm just one thing before you close in our last couple of minutes, um, just to put the video series in a bigger picture. These were just the initial interviews, if you will, and it's a Bob Ross painting where we're just getting around the edges of the canvas, right? Uh, we're just starting to get some of the information. There's a lot in the middle that has yet to be gotten to, and in subsequent uh, sessions, subsequent times, as time allows, to ask other questions. Uh, obviously, it's going to be more difficult to get information out of him than out of her. Uh, she is, yes, somewhat reluctant, but it seems like she's telling a bit more of the truth and not trying to shade it in the sense of deceptively going a different direction. He is, it's going to be very hard to pin this guy down and say, okay, so really what did you do? Uh, he mentioned uh, something, uh, I want to be straightforward as I can. Uh, I don't want to be this way. Uh, okay. Well, if, if uh, you know, when he says, I want to be as straightforward as I can, the next session is, okay, you want to be straightforward, so what are you not telling me? Uh, that's the next questions, and really drilling into, okay, so what are you keeping from me? How are you trying to deceive me? 
there's got to be more to this uh, than just what you've told me um, as we are you know, working through the other counselor who spoke to your wife. There's more to be learned here. What are you not telling me? And uh, again, that goes back to the basic foundation of how we walk with one another, confessing our sins one to another. There is a time and a place to do that, as scripture mentions, um, and agreeing, yes, I am a sinner, and not shading the truth and speaking the truth. You know, the Lord knows already all of my sin. He knows the depths of my sinful heart. Though redeemed, there is still sin there. So there's nothing to surprise him, but what help can I glean from my brothers and sisters in Christ by saying, actually, you know, I, I, I blew up at my wife the other day. I was short with her. I did this, and this is actually what I did. I dumped the laundry on her head because I was demanding that I needed this specific shirt. It was so stupid. Help me out in dealing with my wife, or however that might be. But truly going through and walking with one another uh, does not look uh, like what was done in that session. But what does Jeremiah say? The heart of man is deceitful, wicked above all else. Uh, wicked, deceitful above all else. So I uh, have to be very careful in how you go about interacting with one another. I'm just going to uh, close with a, a, a paragraph from a book that I've been going through. Um, and uh, I think uh, this particular author um, does a good job, really focuses on 1 Corinthians 13, uh, describing what love is, uh, describing what love is not. And um, so, uh, but... He writes, uh, with Christian families divorcing and breaking apart in record numbers, we need to teach the centrality of costly sacrificial love in Christian marriage and in the home. The scripture directs husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her and instructs older women to train young women to love their husbands and children. We must clearly teach that standard of love God sets for Christian husbands is nothing less than Christ's total self-giving love. Thus, the Christian home should be characterized by Christ's, Christ's unselfishness, giving love, a love that is initiated by the husband. Marriage provides opportunity for daily practice in the cultivation of Christ-like love, and boy, it does. Um, it exposes our deplorable self-centeredness and desperate need for growth in Christ-like love. And it does. If you get something from this session, just weigh these things out in your heart. Weigh the scripture as, um, as it says, don't be found weighed and wanting. Uh, but to really uh, hone your own heart and confess. The home is the best testing ground for the kind of love described in 1 Corinthians 13. It is tragic. It is a tragic situation when some believers show abundant love to people at church or in their neighborhood but fail to express the same love to their spouse and children. This should not be. Love begins at home. Therefore, I encourage you to do what, what some husbands and wives have done and done successfully, and I might add, pray specifically for Christ-like love for your spouse and for your children. Um, what a remapping of the mind, and I might say that the home is what exposes it, but really where the problem is, um, is in our relationship with Christ. Uh, we don't believe he, he is who he says he is, and we don't love like he does because we don't think we have to, um, and that is a uh, pernicious lie. So let's, uh, Eric, would you close us in prayer? Sure. Father in heaven, we thank you for the goodness that you've shown to us 
in modeling what love looks like in sending your son, uh, knowing the physical pain and agony, the uh, spiritual, emotional pain and agony that he went through on that cross to bear each one of our sins. Father, I pray that the gospel would be uh, forefront of each one of our minds each day, that we would dwell on all that we have been forgiven, the great love that you have shown for us, and that we in turn might, even as Dylan just mentioned, trust in you that uh, you are at work in us and in those around us. Father, I pray that you would uh, increase our display of the fruit of the Spirit to be uh, love, joy, peace, patience, especially in our relationships with one another. Father, just thank you for the sanctifying agents that you have brought into our lives, that we are not hermits in the woods living on our own and never interacting with others, for creating us to live in fellowship with those around us, even as you said to Adam, it is good for him not to be alone, and the basic relationship in this world of marriage was instituted. Father, I pray that we might model Christ in our homes as uh, spouses, as future spouses, maybe even as former spouses. May we model to those around us uh, what it means to be Christ-like in uh, all of our behavior. We ask your blessing upon the rest of this day, even as we open your word in our second service. Father, I pray that you would give us humble hearts, cultivated hearts, ready to come to your word truthfully, to be exposed, to be laid bare by the work of your spirit, that he would have his way in each of our hearts to cause us to be the godly men and women you've called us to be, especially in the days of the week that lay before us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.